This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, the podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, gents, it's been a pretty uh, a pretty enjoyable four days. Obviously, Dons won on Saturday. We all enjoyed the F1 on Sunday and the, uh, the past two days have been a pretty nice weather-wise, right? So uh, I'm sure we're all in pretty good spirits, uh, but I'll ask you guys and introduce you guys anyway. So, uh, Ross, how are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, obviously, two games up and coming, thick and fast. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a busy Easter period as always. Um, of course, the Good Friday trip to Lincoln, which is always a fun trip, so shame we can't go. And then back at Stadium MK on Monday for the crew game, which should be a eager anticipated game after our performance at their place. Uh, and uh, Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. Yeah, real shame we can't go. I think the last Good Friday game that fans were actually able to go to would have been the uh, Notts County away game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Always, always a firm favourite of mine. The uh, and then the non-league game on the Saturday, and then back watching Dons on the Monday. So yeah, plenty, uh, plenty of football. We're unfortunately, missing out on going, but uh, hopefully uh, they'll, they'll they'll still supply the goods. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I was actually work at Notts County game, and I remember Chucks just running after around the pitch and ticking it top bins, and I felt almost celebrated in a. In a the home end. I remember uh, like Cal Reed and that was behind me, and uh, yeah, they were celebrating as well. So yeah, that was a good day. Uh, one of the few positive moments for uh, previous management in charge, I'm sure. Um, okay, let's take it to uh, Saturday. Of course, a one 0 win over Doncaster Rovers. Um, picking up four points over the season against a well potential you know, playoff team is always a good thing. Um, as, as Ross, I'm sure is going to mention a job well done. Quite frankly, I dominated the game uh, for the most part. Of course. Had our you know few little errors in there, which you know is always going to happen with our style of football, but we dealt with them well. Thought the defence did brilliant, especially with Jack Jules coming in, you know, coming in for Lewington, who, well, got a well deserved rest, quite frankly. And uh, yeah, Jules did a job well. And I think some of the criticism he received is a bit harsh. You know, it's his first time playing that position for a long time and the first time in this system. And I thought he did okay. And um, yeah, we'll get on to all the individual topics after that. But I'll first of all get the topics of topics are uh, the general thoughts for the gents um so uh ross how do you think saturday went against doncaster i felt it was a really good game i felt uh it was a performance which deserved the three points first of all we uh looked in control of the game throughout limiting doncaster to i think it was one shot on target and that came in the second half so in the sense of us being in control stats prove that um but and I know um, a few fans mentioned it, obviously the Fraser, Fraser substitution early on. I won't get into it too much because I know we're going to discuss it later, but I felt it was really ruthless from Russ. You have to applaud that also um, because of he's got standards of how he, his team plays and obviously Fraser wasn't matching that. But um, yeah, overall, I felt it was a really good uh, choice because after that, I felt we 
continue to dominate a game. But aside from that, Louis Lewis Jones um, in the Doncaster net had one of those performances in goal. And I felt, I questioned whether it was going to be our day. But we had the patience and uh, we kept causing them problems. And then we had some um, luck through the deflected strike um, through Harvey. And I know we've mentioned it previously um, on the pods uh, in the sense of taking that risk. And Harvey took that risk and at the end of the day, he got the reward. Um, But overall, four wins on the bounce. And let's hope we can take it into Friday's clash away to Lincoln. Yeah, Donny's keeper, as you mentioned, Jones, was outstanding, wasn't he? It was one of those performances where... Yeah, you were wondering where it's going to go in, uh, but luckily it did. And yeah, you mentioned about taking that risk, but it also caused the action of um, the dying defender to reflect it into his own net. Um, so yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, if you keep taking those risks, you're going to cause actions and you're going to get rewards for it. So uh, yeah, very happy performance. And Joe, I'm sure you agree with uh, everything that Ross said in regards to you know taking those risks and uh, being rewarded for them. I do, but I, I don't think that was deflected. It looked, it, that I think was a it was. Strike for me. No chance. I yeah, thought, well. Nah, I don't think so. I'll, I'll say, it, do you it, think it's? Do, do, do you think it would go in then if it wasn't deflected off the defender? It wasn't deflected. I think it was. I'm gonna go back the and watch it now. The commentary said it was deflected. Yeah, I know I the commentary was. said it was deflected, but uh, that's and then, the and then I looked on the. Uh, I think I looked on the highlights. And yeah, again, nah, I, I, I swear it was a crisp, just a nice crisp strike. I'll watch um, it back now. But, one sec. Oh, it's close. Yeah, it's much close than I thought, actually. But I think that's deflected. I thought it was deflected. That's why I, I read it was deflected. That's why I've said it was deflected. I mean, not a it... chance. I think it's because the keeper doesn't dive. Everyone thinks it's uh, deflected. I'm convinced. It's, oh, I know it is hard to tell, but I just don't think. Because the ball's going so fast, if it takes any touch, that's going over the bar. That's deflected, Joe. You cannot say that's deflected, <laughs> mate. Mate, he's headed the ball. Oh my god, Joe! Not deflected. He's headed it. Look at no. Don't look at the first one. Look at the second one. The man, second man. It's not deflected, mate. The ball would be heading towards that top right-hand corner. That it's is nice. not. Oh uh, it's got to be deflected. That is not it has deflected to be. because if it is, it goes flying over. Okay, so we've had a pretty lengthy debate regarding the Harvey goal, and we put out a live poll regarding whether it's deflected or not. So we'll see everyone else's thoughts on that. Um, just for this, just for state it, my and Ross's opinions that it was deflected in, and Joe's is it wasn't. So we'll get uh, your live thoughts on that uh, at the end of the episode. Um, but Joe, why don't you give us your general thoughts on uh, the Saturday game against Doncaster? Yeah, I think Ross summarised it really well, and I think the main takeaway for me was. I, I can summarise it in one word, and that word is control. Um, it wasn't necessarily wave after wave of attack, smashing balls into the box, putting loads of pressure on, but it was keeping the ball really well, limiting Doncaster's chances, and then and then creating really good chances for ourselves. And had it not been for Louis Jones, you know, we get we get a goal in that first half, and and then you know it, the game opens up a bit more. Um, the ch- and. As I said, the chances that we did create, they, they were high quality chances, and it was only due to a goalkeeper, which we didn't actually um when we didn't actually get 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 ahead. And I think, you know, on the highlights that are distributed by the EFL, so the EFL collate them, not the, not any of the clubs. And on, on that, there was five or six of our chances, yet there was only one Doncaster clip on that, and that was just running down the byline and cutting it back for a cross. So it, you know, didn't even result in a shot. And um, I think, you know, for all of our good attacking play, you know, limiting teams to half chances at best is going to take us a real far, like a real long way. And, and, uh, you know, it's great to see the the defence and fish get that much, much deserved uh, clean sheet, I think, because we have been unlucky in certain games recently. Um, I just think just a couple of people to just note on before we go out, go go into more detail. But I think um, McEachran just dictated the tempo. Um, Sermon, he was really good at just snuffing out danger, stopping any quick breakaways, and also we know what he can do on the ball. Um, and O'Reilly, I thought, was really lively, and he he was one that actually assisted the goal, but with um, a great switch of play. Uh, Thompson, when he came on, he added a lot, lot of energy to that midfield, and um, I think in, like, in the first minute of the second half, he had a great chance. And 
Greg, unlucky. He, he did quite well, in my opinion. Okay, so it's got the live news. The Lincoln game's off. Um, terrific. Uh, yeah, so apparently Lincoln uh, cannot fit fulfill the fixture uh, due to the COVID-19 test they got in the squad that come out positive, as well as the God knows how many injuries they've got. Um, so that's a bit annoying. Um, that's obviously Indeed, a Good Friday yeah. fixture suspended um, for another date. So they have a new date for that fixture uh, coming fairly soon. And of course, when we're playing on good form, that's uh, not the best news in the world. But yeah, hopefully those players that have got COVID uh, rest up well and we'll see them in a few weeks um, to hopefully beat them at that point rather <laughs> than uh, on Good Friday. Okay, but yeah, as we mentioned, um, well, as Jay mentioned his thoughts, um, yeah, I thought Greg was really unlucky, um, and we'll get on to, well, really unlucky recently, and we'll get into a topic about Greg later on in the episode. Um, but I think the best place to start, really, with the, the sort of individual topics from Saturday's game was regarding the inverted wingbacks. That's the first time we've really seen it this season, I believe. Um, well, properly, anyway, from like a, from a 90-minute perspective for the most part. Of course, we had Daniel Harvey, who's a left-footed player on the right-hand side of the defence, and um, Sorinola, who's a right-footed player on the left side of the defence. And um, on the whole, it seemed to work pretty well, I thought. Um, you know, of course, Harvey got his goal. Admittedly, that came from his more traditional uh, left-hand side. But regardless, uh, he started the gate rowing back and, uh, yeah, did well. Um, and, of course, Matty was Matty, um, performed well. So I will pass it over to the gents for their thoughts. Um, Ross, what were your whole thoughts on the in the on the whole inverted wing backs uh, situation and how they played? Um, if you want my complete honest opinion, I, fe- I felt like we looked like our usual selves in the sense of it just looked like it was the norm um, to play the inverted wing backs. But um, yeah, I felt I felt Harvey especially he had some real um, decent joy down that um, right hand side. Sorinola. I felt he was a bit quiet at the weekend. Um, not sure whether that was just down to others um, being more heavily involved. But, yeah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I felt Sorinola was just quiet um, for that afternoon. But overall, yeah, it's another option Russ can go to when he needs it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Matty about Matty being a bit quiet. Um, I suppose he used more of a defensive side on Saturday. You know, he had the 13 ground rules in the whole game and won six of them. And, Kept it pretty simple with his passes, I felt. Um, but, you know, I suppose when you've got Dan Harvey, who is playing his first game at right wing back, you're kind of taking the risks already there. So maybe Matty just didn't really need to be that risky in terms of his play. Just needed to keep it simple, keep the shape. And, uh, you know, Dan will ultimately create chances for him. And if he's needed, he'll put a decent ball in. Um, but I know, Joe, you've got a lot of thoughts on Dan Harvey. So I'll pass it over to you. Um, how do you feel he did in particular? Um that right wing back role uh, for the start of the game. Yeah, I, I really like Harvey. I think it's been quite a frustrating season for him because I think uh, I think Sorinola's had sort of fifteen starts and Harvey's only had sixteen or so. Uh, but and both of them featured quite a lot off the bench. So for for both Sorinola and Harvey, it's been a season where neither of them have really got sort of five ten games strung together and see seeing how it goes. Um, and with Harvey, we've seen flashes of real brilliance. I think that's. Um, is it three goals and three assists, something like that? And when you've got you from what was that sixteen starts or some, something like that, you know that's excellent return from from a wing back. Um, and I, like I say, I think he has been unlucky this season just because he hasn't had that consistent run in the team. Um, but I don't think with Harvey, he always is dangerous, and we know he's got that quality delivery. We saw that you know for the Charlie Brown goal, um, he attempted quite a few crosses. And he, he wasn't he, one thing I love with Harvey is he's not afraid. He'll take on a man, but he'll also try his luck from 25 yards. And it, it you know, it took a great save onto the post that then uh, agonizingly rolled across the line. And uh, we could be looking at Harvey with two goals for um, for that game. And yeah, like you say, Serenola, like he, you know, I, I, don't, I don't say it as a bad thing, but it was flashes of his old self in a way that, you know, pretty solid at the back, you know, did a good job defensively. But just a little bit, maybe a little bit more simple going forward. Um, but when you've got Harvey, who's maybe taking a few more risks on the other side, maybe that's, maybe that's you know that's what they've been told to do. So um, yeah, solid from both. But Harvey really, um, really took his chance. And uh, you know, I think I think Laird comes back into the team on the right, on the right hand side. So I think um, I think that Russ has got a real decision on his hands on whether to start Harvey or, or Sorinola. Uh, on the left, 
in the next game. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. And uh, Ross, what would your thoughts be on that? Would you go with, for Monday now, I suppose, rather than Good Friday, would you go with, you know, the Matty Tornola, who's, you know, earned his place in that left-hand side and really made it his own? Or would you give Dan Harvey a chance there again, who, you know, impressed on Saturday and deserves a chance, quite frankly? I probably would edge with Matty, only because of uh, recent form. Um, Harvey, yes, he had a brilliant game on um, Saturday, and I can only applaud that. But Matty has been consistently performing. Yes, as I've just mentioned, he was a bit quiet at the weekend. But um, I feel like he's having that run of games now and he's starting to uh, be, obviously, put that contract situation um, behind him and move on. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, heading into Monday's clash, I'd definitely pick Matty. Joe, would you agree with Matty or would you go with Dan? I'd go with Dan. I think, I think if both of them are playing at their best, I'd think I'd rather have Dan Harvey in. Um, but then again, you know, I think with Sorinola, one one of his biggest things is his relationship with Scott Fraser. And so maybe, you know, him and Thompson just don't have that relationship that Fraser has with Sorinola because, you know, I think they bring, you know, I think Fraser brings the best out of Matty. He almost forces Matty to take risks in sort of the positions he takes up and and giving and allowing Sorinola. I think Sorinola gets more space as well on the left because... Uh, when when Fraser's there, you normally have one or two men that are attracted straight to him, which often means Matty might have a little bit more time on the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would go with Harvey. Um, but, I, yeah, I think Matty, he's, you know, he's not a bad option at all. And by no means would I be disappointed if I saw him in the lineup. Yeah, and that's the nice thing, having a, a, depth, well, a squad that's full of depth and full of quality. It's uh, not such a bad thing if a player gets dropped or rested uh, when you've got a player like Dan Harvey on the bench, you can come in and do well. Of course, uh, a big big talking point from the game um, was uh, Scotty Fraser, the Scottish Wizard, uh, coming off on 29 minutes. Um Obviously, lots been said uh, after the game since then. It's all water under the bridge now, according to Russ Martin. But it's uh, still important we talk about it as uh, we got the three points without him, which uh, was, you know, I think you said that at the start of the season. Many Don's fans wouldn't believe you uh, in terms of getting three points without the likes of what well, the quality of player in Scott Fraser, who has been a such a consistent performer all year. Um, I'll pass it over to you, Joe, of regarding Fraser. I mean, I know. Well, you you phrase it as Hollywood balls, don't you, in terms of his passing, taking risks. So, was that for you the main reason why he came off, or was there ever sort of elements to that? I mean, none of us will. It's, it's speculation, isn't it? We won't know for sure. Um, but but in my mind, I think that um, you know, I, I think with Fraser, a lot of the time, one of the best things about him is, you know, even when he's dribbling, he, he might if he can't, he, he doesn't take unnecessarily unnecessary or, or just the easy ball. And I think a couple of times he got the ball and just, you know, just tried a really quick early, not long ball, but just a chance in ball. And maybe Russ has said, in, you know, in the first five, 10 minutes, keep it tighter. Um, it could be to do with pressing. Um, but, you know, Russ spoke about standards and certain guidelines. So for me, that's maybe, you know, it, it's something to do with either passing um, or, or, you know, I don't want to say lack of effort because that's a bit of a that's almost a lazy thing to say. But yeah, you know, he, he obviously saw something that he wasn't happy with. But I tell you, one other thing that I thought was really quite good was that that not necessarily that Ross, that Russ was you know brave enough to make that decision, which is obviously great. But that the team didn't think, oh no, we've lost Fraser. You know, what are we going to do now? You know, people stepped up and people showed why we are a good team. And that's really good. And it says a lot about, you know, the sort of group as a whole that, you know, we're not as, we're, we're not um, bigger than any one player. And, you know, and I'm sure Fraser will be coming back raring to go for the next game. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's one of them things that probably happens in most workplaces that someone gets a telling officer into and everyone moves on with it and you're probably better for, better, better, better for it. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel substitution was justified, as you mentioned. You know, he gave the ball away six times in 29 minutes. And for, and for, a, for a case study, like, comparison, uh, um, you know, Ohura and Darling played 180 minutes between them and they only gave it away 14 times in both of them. 
so I think that just shows you how much, how you know volatile Scott's passing was on the day. Um, and yeah, obviously Russ didn't like that, um, and he hooked him off, and he wasn't too happy with it. But yeah, I said it's a war under the bridge now, and uh, as Ross mentioned, it was a bit ruthless. But you know, you got to be ruthless in football, and especially we need the results. So you need to keep the performances up because um, the worst thing that could happen is we lose that game, and then the players' heads drop, and uh, we got a bad run. But one player who's certainly making the most of his opportunities and the good form is uh, Joshua Kecker. And I thought he was absolutely class on um, against Doncaster on Saturday. You know, there was a lot of talk about his uh, pass completions. And I think the most important thing for me was his ground rules. You know, I don't really see Joshua Kecker as a player who needs to get stuck in. He's more of a player who just needs to distribute the ball well and, um, you know, keep keep the team ticking and, but the fact that he won 75% of his ground jewels on the, on the day just shows that, you know, if he is needed to get stuck in, he will. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Ross, I mean, what what was your thoughts on McEachern on Saturday? Did you feel that he well got as much praise as he deserved? I'm sure you do, but I'll ask you anyway. Oh, yeah, he's, he's getting better and better each game as it goes part by. Sorry. Um, I think um, what actually amazed me was after the game, they asked Ross about it. And he said that he's not even at 100% yet. So uh, it's scary to think what he'll be at when he's uh, 100% and ticking in that midfield. Because of, if he's anything like, obviously, Sermon, when he's 100%, yeah, what a midfield to have. Yeah, I mean, Joe, am I right in saying that was his first 90 minutes for us? Or has he had a previous game where he's played the full 90? Yeah, I believe that was his first 90 minutes. And... It's not just for us, probably in about 18 months, two years or so. So, you know, it really is some going. Again, credit to the medical team, credit to, you know, Ross for actually taking, not not necessarily taking a chance on these players, but, you know, managing them well. Because um, we've seen like players like Louis Thompson, who's had his injury troubles, you know, when you, you, Russ has kept faith with him, despite, you know, it, you know, so frustratingly, so many injury, little niggles, et cetera. And uh, it's, yeah, just hopefully we can keep both of them too fit from now to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of talk about the summer and uh, I think if we can get Josh on board with the next season, I'm sure he'll uh, well, be brilliant to keep him because he's, as he's shown these past few games, he's got the quality to do it and uh, he'll be vital if we can keep him next season. Another player who's uh, who came in in January and has been vital since he stepped on the pitch, quite frankly, is uh, Virgil van Dalen. Uh, I think he deservedly got man of the match last night. Um, last night uh, on Saturday, apologies. Um, incredible, really. You know, four clearances, three block shots. Uh, pretty much won every ground draw and draw he did. Um, and, it, and to add on that, he had things at 88% pass completion rate. So, yeah, really, really was a Rolls Royce performance for him on Saturday, Joe, wasn't it? And the fact that we managed to get him from Cambridge is absolutely steel, to be honest, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, and you missed out the fact he attempted five dribbles as well. <laughs> you know, oh, so yeah, there you go yeah, then. <laughs> it's hard to tell what position he actually plays from looking at his numbers because they're just absolutely ridiculous. He, uh, yeah, he, he, oh, I remember one, he, he just surged through and and he, and he started then overlapping on the right wing. I thought, was thinking Ethan Laird was out wide. It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, I, I, and he, he seems to, you know, because what one thing I remember we said after the, I think it was the, Gillingham game and it was you know this was it was sort of the doom and gloom and it was here we go again and I, I remember we were saying look what what is the cause of this because it's you know it keeps happening and I, I, I remember we talked about that you know these are all young players and they've never really played with each other they played like they at that point they played less than 10 games together and we've seen in the last sort of five six games that I think there really is that understanding there now and goals we have conceded in the last five or six games been, you know, well, like a penalty that Ethan Laird gave away that was, you know, a, a quite a naive thing to do. A, a, what was it, 25, 30 yarder from Conor Grant against Plymouth, the Blackpool one, Jerry Yates rounded the keeper and after after a mistake. So it's, you know, I think we're beginning to get that, um, you know, I think he's beginning to, to really sort of control and marshal that defence. And uh, Russ mentioned as well, you know, Warren O'Hora, he's, he's been, I think he, last three or four games, he's realised that he's really had to step up. And and as well, I think Jules did well. So I think when you trust the people either side of you, it allows you to play with that confidence. So, 
long may it continue. Although not too well, because I'd want to fancy keeping him here for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he uh, if he could just, uh, you know, no, still be good, but like not as outstanding as he was on a Saturday, yeah. that'd be excellent. Just to keep him under radar a little bit for next season. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Warren and uh, he was the next player we we're going to talk about. I feel a lot of people say he's got under the radar. I'm not sure if that's the correct way of putting it. I think he's just been taking this time of his, like, embedding himself into this squad. Uh, of course, he's played the majority of games this season since he came from Brighton. And of course, he's now, he's now been Keane's player permanently, Ross. And I feel, you know, Saturday was the first, well, not the first time, but a, a real showing of his consistency so far this season and how you know, he only gave the ball away four times the whole game. So I feel uh, he showed why he deserves to be in this Don's team for a long time going forward. 100%. And as Joe's just said about the the age and everything, all the variables uh, within that back line. I remember, obviously, after Wigan, people were saying, oh, we need to chop and change with this back line. And I was I was confident with this back line. And I saw glimpses of uh, what Ihora done against um, Peterborough, especially um, in that one-all draw at home. He he looked more than manageable. Um, and I just feel... That was 3-0. Yeah, no, not not that one. Uh, <laughs> the one where we we actually could uh, go and watch it. Um, yeah, and yeah, I feel recently I've said that I've, I actually disagree with you, Liam. I, I do think he's gone under the radar slightly because of Harry Darling and Dean Lewington always get the applaudits, and maybe he's a bit of an unsung hero in in the squad. And as you say, he, he's developing really nicely, and. Uh, as Joe said, long may it continue. Hey, well, I think as said, well. You... Sorry, no, go sorry, Joe. Carry on. I, I, I was just going to say, I think as well. One thing that really impresses me with Warren is I, I remember watched his interview that he gave after the Burton game, and he seems so mature. It's almost it's weird to think that he's actually two years younger than me, and he he talks like a man, and he's he's really, you know, and I mean that in terms of he, he talks almost beyond his years, and I mean who knows, captain material in the future maybe. Yeah, I always find it interesting how like managers determine their captains. Uh, and obviously, once Dean Lewington decides to hang up his boots, I'd be interested to see who's the captain for the Dons. Because I think there's a number of contenders in that squad and it'd be interesting to see whether he, he pins it on a younger player or he goes for a more experienced head in the squad. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see how that develops for sure. Okay, uh, last player we're going to talk about is Mr. Will Grigg. Um, you know, Joe, you mentioned about him being a bit unlucky. And I suppose... Ross, is it, is it just a case of, you know, because Greg got the start um, on Saturday against Doncaster, is it just a case of needing to get football consistently for him to take those chances? I know the past few games he's had quite a few that have been nearly chances and maybe if he has a bit more, you know, a bit more edge about him, he would put those away. It's definitely a factor, but also I can just, he's got a persona about him where he's, he looks like he's enjoying football now and Obviously, going for a tough spell at Sunderland, it can always affect you long term. And it doesn't look like he's been affected uh, from that spell. And yeah, yeah, everyone, every striker wants to score goals, but he's getting in the right positions. It's just going to, it's literally time and um, league starts, which will uh, be a variable going forward. Yeah, it's interesting, Amit, now because obviously, well, as Russ mentioned in his presser today, as we're recording this, um, Charlie Brown is the only contracted Don striker heading into next season. And we're not going to talk about next season too much, but he expressed his desire once again to sign Greg permanently in the summer if that was an option. So maybe that depends on something to get promoted. Who knows? Um, but Joe, I'm sure, based off your comments on him, that you'd love to see Will Greg back in a Don shirt in the 2021-22 season. Yeah, I think one thing with Will Greg is, you know, what he makes half chances look like decent chances because he almost he, he just makes sure he gets the ball on target and he, he he works the keeper and you know that's something that's really sort it's really good quality to have in a striker and I think I, I would like him back next season should it should um, finances and Sunderland be you know be permitting and I think that you know I, th- I think it personally I think if Sunderland go up we'll be able to get him. Um, I, I don't have any information or anything. I just think that financially, that's probably a a thing that you know it might it makes sense really. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I'd be excited to see Greg back here, but of course, you know, we'll see what happens in the summer and I'm sure we'll, we'll get chatting with a similar gents there to see what's going on. All right, well, that wraps up our Doncaster review pretty nicely. Um, as the Lincoln game's been called off, we'll turn attention to crew a bit prematurely, you know, almost a uh, week away on Easter Monday. Uh, myself and Ross are going to chat from Russ um, from the Railway podcast very shortly. Um, but Joe, uh, you, you unfortunately can't join us, so I'll I'll get your thoughts on the game quickly. How do you feel uh, Easter Monday's going to go against crew and give us your thoughts on a starting 11 and a score prediction for us? Yeah, thanks. Um, I think that crew, they start the season really well. You know, they've, they've had, a bit, had a bit of a struggle recently. Um, but I think that there are still some really good individuals in that team. And I think that, you know, they're not something that should be taken lightly. And we saw, I think crew away was probably, at, well, at the time it was our worst performance of the season. And and so, you know, an improvement on that would be, be, uh, would, would be needed if we got any chance of taking points. Um, so, yeah, but I think we should win this. I just think that we just need to be aware that, again, they, they, like most teams in this league, they do have players that can hurt you, the likes of Pickering, um, you know, with his delivery, and, uh, and Wintle, who can control the game, if, you, if, if you're not careful. Um, for the starting eleven, I've gone pretty much back to type in terms of the, the team that saw us go on that quite a good run. Um, I've, gone on, um, I've gone for Fisher and goal. I hore a darling and I've gone for Lewington back into into the team after his nice little break. Um, I've gone for Laird back in. I think maybe the only reason Laird didn't start against Doncaster was perhaps, you know, just a little bit of a rest and perhaps something to do with his shoulder. Um, and then I've gone for Harvey. I think Harvey's done well. I think maybe he's just deserved another shot. And, you know, Sorinola's been pl- played five or six of the last games, so maybe it's just a chance to rotate. Um, I've gone for McEachran and I've gone for... I. I I did go for Thompson, but I think maybe with the extended, uh, you know, the extended rest period that we've got, I think that it could be McEachran and Sermon in that holding role. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Thompson in for either of them. Um, O'Reilly and you know that man Fraser, he's going to be absolutely gunning for gunning for this, and he's, uh, he's he, I think he's uh, really going to want to prove a point. And I think um, I think Jerome's going to come back in again. He, he he was rested against Doncaster. Griggy had a chance, played well, but I think with someone like Cammy Jerome, if he's had a rest and if he's raring to go, then he starts. And what about your score prediction? Oh, uh, I think we turned a corner defensively last five or six games, as we as we mentioned, and this team has goals, and I'm going for a two 0 win. Okay, I like it. Have a clean sheet. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Indeed. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's wrap so far. Part one. Uh, shortly, myself and Russ will be joining Russ to talk everything. Correct, Sandra, in our latest opposition overview. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub One Hundred. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so after the postponement of the Lincoln City match on Good Friday, we turn our focus to Easter Monday and crew Alexandra coming to Stadium UK. And we're welcoming on uh, Russ from the Railwayman podcast to give us a lowdown on crew Alexandra. So, Russ, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoyed the weather so far this week? Oh, um, beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Apparently, we're getting snow though soon, which is beautiful, but in a different, a very different way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so make the most of it while we can, I suppose, in the sun, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, obviously the last time we played for ourselves, it was a uh, probably our worst performance of the season, to be honest. Uh, two 0 defeat at your place. So it's been a long time since that performance as well. So give us the lowdown on how the Alex's season's gone since that game and where you are in the league, etc. That game was a huge, huge point for us in that season because we hadn't picked up a point, I don't think, before that. We hadn't even scored a goal before that game in the league. So that was the sort of game that we thought, no offence to yourselves, but we thought we can get something out of this game, at least a goal, and that'll sort of help us start life in League One because we just come up, hadn't we? So um, that was a big game and it's a very good result to get. Uh, If we were to describe our season so far in one word, I'd say inconsistency. Uh, we're either really, really good or absolutely terrible. And there's very few in between. Um, 
sort of when when we play our passing football because under Russ Martin you're quite, quite a passing team now aren't you yeah, um, I think it's only Barcelona and Man City that average high possession in like the whole of Europe in terms of the top yes. five leagues. So, yeah. It's a claim to fame right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, when we play in that passing football that we're sort of known for, that crew way, then we're, we're, we are quite good. We're very good at that. But we sort of found that to get to that level quite inconsistent and we've been hoofing it long and stuff. And that's not really been working, to be honest. But it... Some games like um, trying to pick one off the top of my head, the MK Dons game, we were quite we were quite good at passing the ball around, and different games like Ipswich away, we lost one nil, but we were we were created so many chances by proper like passing the ball around, and then there's other games where we've just hoofed it long and we've we've deserved to lose. We got absolutely battered by Gillingham at four one or something, and we scored a last minute goal to salvage some respect, but we got absolutely battered, and that's because we didn't play our way, and that's that's sort of where we've fallen this season. Yeah, I mean, inconsistency has been quite a common topic, especially for us earlier in the season. You know, we'd always perform well, um, but the results never really came um, until the past couple of months where we've really seen the performances pick up and the results started to come. And that's result us, you know, being in a playoff form team, quite frankly, and, you know, push the league a bit more and take us away from that, you know, quote-unquote relegation battle, which we're never really a part of, but some fans like to label us for that just because of where we were in the league. So We had, we had similar yeah, form. Sorry. Sorry. We had similar form to what you've gone through uh, sort of around the Christmas time. We went 10 unbeaten, I think six or seven wins out of that. And then we were we were pushing up. We'd played about five games more than everyone else in the league, it felt like at the time. Accrington had about a million games in hand at one point. But we were seventh, I think, when we were like, oh my God, we're going to win the playoff push. And then that inconsistency has crept in. And then we, we win two and then lose three, draw one. And that sort of dropped us down to 14, sort of the opposite of what you lot have been doing. Yes, I suppose with a bit of a roller coaster season, would you say that your satisfaction levels of the season are quite high, or are they just a bit a bit lower just because of how your season's kind of you know taking a bit of a downhill sort of trend? Mixed emotions, I'd say, definitely mixed emotions. You like you think we were somewhat in a playoff push, extreme outsiders, but we were there, and it's a little bit disappointing that we're not there now. But if you'd have told me, sort of easy mid-table, not really have to worry about relegation, first year back in League One at the start of the season, I'd have, I'd have bitten your hand off for it, to be fair. Yeah, we were, well, I myself was exactly the same at the start of the season for this year, because obviously we lost a fair bit of talent uh, at the start of the year, and I went on the PO4 podcast for um, Hugh, etc., and we were talking about our sort of, well, our sort of, what we think of the start of the season, I said, anything above relegation I'd be happy with, um, yeah. and of course a lot, a lot's happened since then, but <laughs> but yeah, when you when you lose certain players, it's uh yeah, it kind of knocks your confidence a bit. And uh, unfortunately, when we have good academies like our, like our two teams, it uh, happens a fair bit sometimes. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute, aren't we? But the fact that we kept yeah, yeah. the fact we kept that core of young players for the start of the season, they've only sort of been trickling away since January. There was high hopes amongst some of us that we'd actually do quite well this season if all those players step up, and we were doing. But as I said, that inconsistency sort of dragged us back down. But I think for, between 14th and 10th, I think that's where we deserve to be. And I think that's where I would have definitely taken that at the start of the season, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. And we talked about the talent pool for Alex now. Of course, you've you've lost Perry and G recently. And of course, Harry Pickering's about to move to Blackburn at the end of the season. But oh, remind even those two... remind me. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, um, but yeah, outside of those guys, you still got some really talented players, of course. Ryan Windows a player I've really liked for years uh, in terms of being in that sort of sixth role. And of course, Charlie Kirk, who's been well-renowned for being one of the mm. better um, creative players in not only League One, but the EFL. So what what's your confidence levels of keeping, for example, those two players in winter and Kirk heading into the summer? Um, not Not highly at all. Okay. I think what I've seen about the inconsistency, I think that sort of bred in since Perry and G left and Pickering signed that deal with Blackburn for the summer and then we got him on loan back again. Um, it's sort of turned heads in a little way. They're not down tools in any way, shape or form, but it's sort of turned heads. Uh, Wintel's out of contract in the summer, um, over 23, so won't, we won't get any compensation for him. I think he's almost as good as gone, to be fair. I don't think he's got any concrete offers. We don't know where he's going or anything, but he's as good as gone almost. That's sort of the rumour mill at crew at the moment. Um, 
everyone's expecting Kirky to go as well. I think and it's one of those recruiters where they're always going to go, but that's sort of our model. So it's yeah. sort of it's 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 sad to see them go, but it's expected, and we'll pat them on the back. Thank you for the service because they they this crop have given us a really great service. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, then we'd have got to see them for a whole brilliant two years or so, three years. Um, live and in person that's probably the saddest part about them going is that we haven't seen them live for the last 13 months or whatever it's been um, but yeah it is crumbling away uh, there's the next palette the next talent pool beyond them that's coming through though and I think that's keeping crew fans very optimistic for the future because they're maybe quite good as well yes yeah, it's a big off season isn't it coming up uh, you know, well by the sounds of it a big rebuild coming up and uh, one which could you know Define define the next few seasons as well. Yeah, absolutely huge. Artel's been saying in the week that it's the biggest transfer window of his career, um, and it massively is because we're expecting quite a few people to go. Uh, obviously, Pickering's going to go. It's, he's gone, but he'll go properly. Winter will definitely go. Kirk will pro- probably go. Um, Ainley is sort of 50-50. Not, Ainley's not got as much sort of as a reputation as as Kirk and the, and Wintle and Pickering as the rest of them, but he's got a lot of talent and he's out of contract at the end of the season. He probably sort of, he's sort of 50 50 on the fence. So it's going to be a huge, a huge summer of transfer window. But Dave Artel has been brilliant at his, at his um, rec- recruitment. God, I've completely forgot the word then. Recruitment over the <laughs> last, last four years or so. And that's the reason why we are at today because he's brought in those players that complement the young talent perfectly. So everyone has trust in him to bring in the next players that will help the younger talent get promote themselves up as well. Yeah, definitely. He's one of the, one of the better managers in this league and um, yeah, I'm sure he'll get it right and uh, keep you guys in the hunt for at least uh, maybe playoff position next season. Who knows? We'll see. You oh, know, hopefully, mate. There's young players. So exactly. You know, they could come through and absolutely smash it out of the park. Never know when we'll get okay, the next so- Nick Powell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And hopefully it's from this next batch of players, eh? Hopefully. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's turn attention to uh, Saturday a bit more and um, focus on some key players for yourselves. Obviously, you mentioned maybe a few there, but I know, Ross, you wanted to touch upon uh, Charlie Kirk a bit more, so I'll pass it over to yourself. Yeah, uh, thanks, Liam. Um, first of all, Russ, I hope you're doing well, mate. Um, um, thank you. How are you? Yeah, getting there. Same old with this uh, lockdown. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I've... I've highlighted Charlie Kirk because of he's a player who's been catching my eye, um, especially amongst your fans, um, with 10 goal contributions this season. And I'm asking you, as a level-headed fan here, um, is he ready to, to take that next step to the championship? That's a brilliant question. I'm quite a pessimistic guy when it comes to crew. And part of me thinks <laughs> he's just not... It doesn't surprise me out of Perry and G, Pickering and Kirk that he's the last to go. He's it's a harder step up for an attacker than it is a fullback, I feel. And he he's got all of the talent in the world. And you've said 10 goal contributions. I thought it was more, to be honest. It surprises me that it's not more. It should be more if Mika Mandron could finish his dinner once in a while. Um but I think I think with the right club. With the right club and the right nurturing, I think he'd he'd very much excel at championship level, definitely. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because obviously you've met you've touched upon the recruitment, and I feel like we're in the similar stage in the sense of we're trying to go through uh, lower league talent and sense of Harry Darling and trying to uh, be like the Brentford model and trying to sell them on. And I think that's where crew are lacking at the moment in the sense of yeah. They're letting their players go, but they're letting them go for a low price. And maybe you need like a sell-on clause or something like that. So, crew, later on, as you say, you don't you're not all focusing on the next transfer window. You know, you're comfortable throughout for the next, I don't know, five years yeah. or so. So, I just feel like, obviously, that's not a dig at crew for one one minute. I just feel like um, maybe changing that model to suit your club in the long term instead of the short term. Mm. Well. Well, to be fair, Nick. When we sold Nick Powell to United, we had a lot of sell-on clauses for that, but he never really. We had England call-up clauses and stuff, but that never materialised because of Louis Van Gaal and stuff. Um, this all well publicised. Um, Ashley Westwood, we had a few, a uh, few of these things in, 
Shay Dunkley or Grant Hanley, one of the two, both of them came for our academy, but never really played professionally for us. Um, I think it was Grant Hanley when he went to Norwich from Blackburn. We got money for that, but he left when he was like 16. Um, Perry and G we sold for very little, but that's because he was going out of contract in the summer, so they could have got him for nothing. And that's got, we believe that that's got a, one of those sell-on clauses in it. Perry, uh, Pickering went for about 500 to 600,000, which is absolute pittance for what he should be. He's a, he's a yeah. half a million and a half pound player easily. Um, that's got a hefty sell-on clause as well, apparently. Uh, but that was it. The 500k for that was a, was a, um, release clause apparently which is stupid to put on a contract for a player of our of his ability anyway um but yeah so as you say we do actually have those um sell-on clauses in in most of the contracts whether they actually get to there or not is a different question but with the the players we're talking about uh of the recent caliber then i think pickering and ng definitely will get that and i'm expecting charlie kirk to have one of those cause clauses in his contract as well let's hope you uh, benefit from long term um, but also another player I wanted to touch upon. He had a brief spell on loan as uh, earlier on in the season. I'm not sure why he went back to crew in Steve Walker, but I've noticed he's not exactly getting the game time. Really, he's coming off the bench, having that sub odd appearance. I just wanted to gather your thoughts on him. Really, lovely, lovely lad. He seems like um, we had him on loan last season towards the end of it, and he added that real spark that we needed in sort of back up because when Owen Dale's not playing that right side is sort of sort of lacking that killer player and he he was brilliant at doing that and he was a very very good player um he was then playing striker I think for you lot wasn't he where he played right wing for us and then he left you because he wanted more game time but then came to us and we've already got two wingers on both sides and we've got three strikers so it didn't really at all make sense that he came back to us whatsoever I think he's played less for us than he's played for you he scored less goals. I think he's only scored the one goal with three starts or something. He's come off the bench quite a lot, but he's a player that's got a lot of talent, but just needs to show it. And whilst Owen Dale on that right flank is a very good player, I don't know whether he's going to actually get the chances or not. So, which makes that decision to come to us from you nonsense, really. Yeah, we were, we were quite surprised when we heard that. Um, obviously, the move to Crew wasn't. I mean, maybe the move to crew wasn't the most surprising thing. It was the fact that he went back into a loan system into League One. I thought he would have stayed at Middlesbrough for a little while, trained there for a bit, then saw another opportunity. But um, hey, you know, we're not his development uh, coaches or loan <laughs> managers, so we know what we're talking about. Um, but you mentioned. Picked... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Karen. He's picked two clubs to because he was at you first, wasn't he, on loan? And then he came to us the following yes, season. Yeah. And then he's gone back to you, and then he's gone back to us. He's picked two clubs that have got um, good sort of coaches that are actually going to develop players. It's not like he's gone to, with no offence to Gillingham, to a Gillingham where they're playing hoofball. He's gone to two clubs that suit his style and suit their, their clubs that progress players' careers. So I think on those terms, it's good that he's flipping between the two of us. But it does it is a bit weird that he came back when he wasn't really ever going to get that much game time. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you mentioned Owen Dale and he's your top scorer in the league this season so far, eight goals. So... How much of a threat will he be on an Easter Monday for our defence? He's he's hot and cold. He's very hot and cold. He he. So some people he's in the same calibre as those players we've been talking about. To, but realistically, he's sort of the step below where he won't go this season because he's not quite ready. He needs another season, season and a half, two seasons to proper progress. He's lightning fast, brilliant, brilliant tricks and everything. We played Aston Villa in the cup last season. We lost six while got hammered, really. Jack Grealish does, does good things, doesn't he? But Matt yeah. Target got turned inside out at left back. He had to go off injured because Owen Dale was just running rings around him. He's on his day, he's an incredible player. He'll do brilliant things and then he'll miss a one-on-one -on -one and you'll think, what is he doing? But if he's on if he's on form, and I think he might be, because I'm hoping he is, because he's a quite a streaky player with goals and he scored last time out, although that was two weeks ago. So I'm I'm hoping he'll do we've got Hull on Monday, um Friday. So yeah. I'm hoping he does well there and then he can sort of push on another streak. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, inconsistency is the tales of a young player in the EFL, quite frankly. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, 
we're we're all too familiar with that, unfortunately, with some of our players. <laughs> but it just happens. It's it's part of, part and parcel of the game. Um, as you mentioned, of course, you're playing Hull on Friday. So our next section of predicted starting 11s maybe is a difficult one. So we'll ask you, how do you think Crew are going to set up against Milton Keenstones, and what are some players maybe that you think could come in that maybe haven't been starting recently? Very good question. Um, well, when we played, we played Burton at home three weeks ago and got hammered. It was a three nil. They weren't that good. We just gift, gifted them three goals, and then we had mass changes after that for the Northampton game. So I, th- I feel like we're not going to make even if we lose against Hull, which is not an embarrassing thing to lose against Hull, they're a very decent side. I don't think we'll make mass changes again. So I think it's potentially quite easy to sort of get a realistic prediction. Um, I think sort of the big news is that Luke Murphy will definitely play, well, not definitely, obviously, but most likely play in the sort of CDM role instead of Ryan Wintle. He's sort of okay. getting faded out because I'll see we're not going to get promoted. We're not likely to go down. Can't count your chickens yet, but you know what I mean? So we shouldn't really be playing players that aren't going to be here next season, if that makes sense. So we're sort of playing Luke Murphy in that deeper role and sort of, not not freezing Ryan Wintel out, but if he's not going to be here, then we need to prepare for next season almost. Um, so definitely, I think Luke Murphy will play in that CDM role. Other than that, I'm sort of just expecting same old, same old really. Recently, um, we've 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 had a bit of goalkeeper issues this year. Uh, will Jaskalainen's not been as good as he was last year, and he's dropped off quite a few clangers. So we brought in Dave Richards, and then he just keeps dropping clangers. So we've gone back to Will Jaskalainen. Um, we, he kept a clean sheet last time out but as I say that was two weeks ago so hey, who knows what's happened since then yeah. um, I think they've, they've apparently they've had a week off in between so they're back in training for this week um, so I would expect Will to say if you keep a clean sheet you're probably going to stay in net aren't you really you'd imagine so yeah that's what I think yeah hopefully as a seven side goalkeeper I hope I hope that is the case <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure um, um, okay I mean yeah, I mean, from, from Don's perspective for us, obviously, we, we're not playing on Friday now. Um, obviously, Lincoln had their training ground shut down, so we've got a little break ourselves. So, I'm Very assuming, nice. yeah, well, I mean, I mean, we we even have four games on the bounce for us. Uh, not mixed feelings on it, quite frankly, because um, <laughs> obviously, you're in form, you want to play games a lot, uh, yeah. you're know, full of confidence. So, we're not sure how the break will sort of affect the squad a bit. Um, but I know me and Ross gave our lineup predictions for Lincoln. Um, so, Ross, has your lineup prediction changed much since that, or have you set with pretty much the same? What you're thinking from that game? Um, I think there's just the one change, um, but I've got. I'll break it down by each player. I've gone with Fisher, Ivora, Darling, and uh, Louis at the back. I feel obviously Jules had a good game against um, Doncaster, but how can you drop Mister Reliable in Dean Lewington? I feel like uh, Lewis is one of those players, first first name on the team sheet. And then I've gone with um, Ethan Laird. And then I've gone with Sorinola at left wing back, um, only because of Harvey. Yes, he had a really good game against Doncaster, obviously getting the, the winner. But I just feel with Sorinola recently, he started to, um, as I've mentioned in part one, when we're breaking down the Lincoln, uh, not Lincoln, Doncaster review, He's starting to pick up some form and I, I just feel you can't really drop someone who's in form at the moment. So I've gone with Sorinola. And then in the box, um, sitting deep, I've gone with Sermon and McEachran. I feel like th- those two also are playing so well together and they're really starting to get on the same wavelength and the long may it prosper. Um, and then just above them, I've gone with O'Reilly and Fraser. I know... Obviously, Russ took Fraser off, but that, as we've discussed, that's water under the bridge. And then I've gone with uh, Cam- Cameron Jerome at top. Obviously, Griggy started against Doncaster, but I just feel uh, Jerome will be f- um, fit and firing, ready for uh, crew. You've got a yeah. lot of decent players, haven't you? Yeah, very, very Cameron good Jerome. squad. Cameron Jerome and Andrew Sermon. Good God. Yeah, hopefully they're here next season. Um, I know there's well, there was interest for Cammy in January from uh, Cardiff City, which he kindly told us, so that was nice of him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if hopefully we have him. If not, then uh, I find we want Will Grigg back, so that'll be nice as well. Um, 
but yeah, in terms of my lineup, um, only the one change from Ross's. Uh, I'm going to Dan Harvey instead of Matty Sorono, let left wing back. Um, obviously, you mentioned about Dan Harvey a lot in our preview of the Doncaster game, and it was a deflected goal, by the way, Joe. So, uh, and and our poll proved it. So, 68% it was deflected. So, uh, Joe could hold that L for us. Um, but yeah, listen, Harvey had a good game. He's on form, and I know you mentioned also Matty is also on form. Um, but I feel Dan just needs to gain time. I'd, I'd almost argue the same for Zach Jules at left centre back instead of Livington, but it, it'd be harsh to drop Livington after the way he's been performing recently. Um, well, drop him for a second game anyway. Um, so, yeah, I've picked Dan Harvey. Uh, could be a game that suits him a bit more, maybe. Uh, going against the Dale as well, which, as you know, Russ has mentioned, is quite a quick player who could be their key threat. So having a Dan Harvey on him could uh, be an interesting matchup. Um, but, yeah, same box of field. Jerome up front for me. Um, and, yeah, the rest of the defence and goalkeepers, the same as Ross. Okay, so a bit in advance, gents, but um, let's talk score predictions. So... Russ, what do you think the score prediction is going to be? What's your score prediction, sorry, for Milton Keynes-Dons uh, against Crew? Oh, I hate doing predictions because I'm always, <laughs> always wrong. Um, um, oh, I should have thought about this before I come on as well. I'm going to go pessimistic 2-1 to Milton Keynes because we yeah. are terrible away from home at times. And you're quite... If you're, if you're playing well... We've, we're just and we're playing badly which as a pessimistic person we just are um, but I think that may be a 2-2 I'm going to be okay. hopeful last minute equaliser why not 2-2 sure yeah so I'd like say you, you've been the first opposition fan we've had on that's predicted their team to lose which uh, <laughs> would have been uh, but they changed you changed prediction so it's all good yes um, I've gone 1-1 um, for some reason Cruz results recently have been I'm sure you know, Russ, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. Um, and obviously, we don't know what's happened for Friday against Hull, but sorry to be pessimistic, but I think you'll lose that game. So Same. I think uh, you'll get a result against us, maybe. And a 1 1 draw seems pretty fitting. You know, both teams play a similar style of football. Uh, maybe we're a bit further along the line on that train just because of um, we haven't really lost too many players. And our players, they fit pretty much this whole time. Um, but yeah, you know. Be hopefully, hopefully entertaining game to watch, and uh, yeah, I think a point for both teams wouldn't be a bad, bad result at all. Okay, Ross, what's your score prediction for uh, Easter Monday? Before I get into my prediction, I found out a stat earlier about Crew Alexandra. Oh, this season, they haven't had a nil-nil, and that's a really surprise. I think only six teams um, in English football have only uh, had, um, obviously, less um, nil-nils than them. Um, but yeah, I found that quite an interesting stat. So I, we I don't do keep feel... clean sheets ever. <laughs> I kept like three all season. I did say we've had goalkeeper problems, lads. So yeah, I, do, I do think there will be goals in this game. And um, I feel obviously with four four wins in a row, you can't you can't really knock back Milton Keynes in this fi- sort of fixture. No disrespect to crew. Obviously, you've mentioned how patchy your form has been. But um, I feel like our quality will come through in the end. And I've gone with a 2-1 uh, MK Dons victory. like it. Got a, got a range of results, which is interesting. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to the game, especially as we're missing out on the action on Friday. So we'll have a bit of a wait for our next watch. Um, but Russ, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Um, thank you very much if, for having me. Yeah, no worries. It's been a pleasure. If you want to plug anything, uh, feel free. Oh, plugs. Um, the Railway Men podcast great podcast for crew fans or if you wanted to listen to I don't know if we've done an MK Don's preview because we didn't have a game last week so I don't know if we did a podcast um, and then I write Man on Football blog where I do crack blogs and I'll do a crew, uh, crew versus MK Don's review possibly a preview depends what uni works like but I'll definitely do a, a review if any MK Don's fans wants to read that yeah there we go we'll retweet that um, make sure you give it a read um, and yeah thank, thank you, you once again Russ yeah, no worries Cheers. okay that brings us to the end of episode 43 of the MK1 podcast it'd be excellent if you could rate review and subscribe as always and come on you dons away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.